Hey, friends, and thank you so much for being a loyal follower of the Body Groovers Club podcast. It has been a wild ride, and I am sure I'm not alone in feeling like, yeah, 2022 has just, it's been, it's been wild. Uh, with that being said, we have a few more episodes that we are going to launch uh, for the rest of this year. And then the podcast is going to take a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a change in, in 2023. But I've been sitting on this episode for a long time. Uh, I actually recorded this last year around the holidays. And I just wanted to make sure I dropped this in for you folks uh, as we're gearing up for the holidays. And uh, maybe you might be feeling anxious and elevated body image distress, uh, or maybe you have a client who is just really not looking forward to going home for the holidays. And so if this is you or if that client is yours, feel free to send them over this episode knowing that it sucks and they're not alone. So with that, let's hop right in to this hot seat coaching. So first of all, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. I'm so excited. So I, I wonder if we could kind of go back a little bit and I'll start where we did. We'll just kind of go over the same thing. So um, you had mentioned you'd been working with a dietitian. You've made progress with your dietitian in terms of making peace with food, but still feeling stuck in body image. And one of the things you mentioned feeling stuck around was preparing to see your family over the holidays. Can you tell me a little bit more about what's what's coming up for you as you as you share that? Um so what is coming up for me is my worry about what my family is going to think. There is a lot of diet talk in my family and I know from growing up in my family how my family talks about people who are fat or who have gained a lot of weight. And so I've heard a lot of negative talk about that. And so now it's me. And so rage that I don't think anyone will say anything, but I think my fear is what they will think when yes. they see me. Yes. And so, um, and you'd, you'd mentioned this before and I was like, ooh, let's talk about this because um, this is a trauma response, right? So our brain will catastrophize to try to prepare us for the worst case scenario. The reality is, is the worst case scenario probably isn't going to happen, um, especially because it's the holidays. And, uh, you know, with the pandemic, I'm sure holidays have been disrupted. So people are going to be more excited to be together than than they are going to be about our, our body sizes. But that doesn't mean that it can't happen. And so I don't want you to say it out loud, but I want you to think of the worst case scenario. Like what would be in your mind the worst thing? You don't have to say what it is, but tell me when you get it. Okay. And in terms of like reality, right? So like if we're going to use percentages, so like Zero percent, it's not going to happen. A hundred percent, it's definitely going to happen. Where would you put the like the likelihood that that event is going to happen? There's like 
the logical part of my brain that is like, your family loves you no matter what. How you look is not why your family loves you. But that's not the part that I dwell on. So the part of me that's like anxious feels like people having negative thoughts about the changes in my body. I guess you asked for a percentage. I feel like it's 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's, that's interesting. So really the worst thing that's going to happen is people are going to think negative things about you because your body changed. Okay. So let me start here. Are there things that you and your family disagree on, or do you agree about everything under the sun? Or are there things that's like, no, we just, we have vastly different values when it comes to things. Definitely disagree. Okay. Is there something you would feel comfortable sharing that feels sort of like, like, yeah, yeah, like we don't agree on this and that's okay? The thing that like came to mind that I said was about <laughs> overscheduling kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, is it okay if I mention your profession? Yes. <laughs> so, so, so as a teacher, I imagine that that is a very important thing for you because what happens when kids get overscheduled? They get stressed out or anxious or they are tired or they don't have time for their brains to rest and reset and so don't do as well at school or have a harder time concentrating at school. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, so you see the negative impact of what overscheduling kids does And that has informed your decision to be opinionated, right, about this. Now, for the family that's maybe in disagreement with you, no, kids need to have schedules. They need to be active. They need to be doing something at every moment of every day. What happens? Is there conflict? Do you fight? Or do you just hold your different opinions? I just hold my opinions, but other people argue. But I just kind of, stay out of it yeah yeah um you seem like like me of like i know what i think but i'm not gonna say it out loud because i have no dog in this fight and so i want you to recognize too it's like this is very similar in your opinions about overscheduling and your opinions about dieting which you'd mentioned before we we started recording is that you know you don't want to diet anymore you know that that part isn't going to work. And yet you still feel stuck in this grief because of the fear of how your family is going to talk about you, which is 100% valid. However, it's about them. So even if they have these negative thoughts, you know the negative impacts of dieting, of weight control or, 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 you know, restriction And so that's what's informed your decision. So I think the piece that's distressing you is the disapproval of your opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's true. I have like very vaguely talked to my mom about some of the intuitive eating stuff, but not really in depth. It is so much a part of my 
family to talk about weight and to demonize food and like just it's so entrenched (laughs) because it's their own discomfort they have to be able to justify their decisions yeah and that is why it is i had a i had a colleague in my graduate program who would say when someone gets defensive you have to look at what they're defending Mm -hmm. and so if they are not if they don't defend this then everything they're doing is for naught. And so I think the knowledge that you know how your family is going to be. Yeah. It also gather the sense that you are probably a conflict avoidant person. Like you're not the type to be like, I'm going to join the debate team and argue you. So if you're advocating for a student. Yes. You can find it deep down in you to be like, nope, I'm going to put my people-pleasing tendencies aside. Okay. Do you have a memory of the first time you remember somebody making a comment about your food or body? Yes. How old were you? I was, I think, 12. Mm-hmm. What, what age students do you teach? I teach first grade. First grade, little babies. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so tiny. I love little kids, like, when they... When they can't yet speak like correctly. Oh my God, it's my favorite. <laughs> I'm like, never lose the baby talk. It's my favorite. Yes, I love the age. <laughs> so 12 years old. Okay, your niece is 11. If somebody were to make a comment to your niece, do you think that would motivate you to say something? Um, yes, I do. And even if you didn't, you might say something to her afterwards, right? And be like, listen, they they are old folks stuck back in the old times. It's not the way of the world anymore. And I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. So I think one of the things going into the holiday is we need to prepare your self-talk. Okay. And if you could speak to yourself the way you would speak to your niece, the way you would speak to your students. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have the ability to debate, because here's the thing, right, is you, you're becoming your own advocate. And a trauma response of people-pleasing, of like, I'm just going to hold my tongue, it's actually a, it's a trauma response called fawning. Sometimes it's easier to just say nothing. It, it's, it's literally your body to saying this isn't safe. So it's like if you know you're going to lose this, your body might just be like, nope, this is what we need to do to keep safe. And so when the talk comes up, thinking about how you would speak to your niece who's 11, hey, it's okay. They're old. Like they are like, we don't need to listen to them on this. We love them and their, their ideas are outdated and it sucks. And we can validate the discomfort. Yeah. Does that feel tangible? Does that feel like something... It does. I don't know if that's like just normal or the teacher in me, but it feels so much easier to advocate for someone else. Like that's my job. (laughs) And so like to think like, okay, if someone said something and imagining, okay, pretend they said it to my niece, it's so much easier for me to think what I would say and I would genuinely mean it. Yeah. So that I think is right. 
and if you if you've been following me long enough, you know, I'm not really big for affirmations. Like I I I know some people love them. If it works for you, great. For me, all of my life, body image advice was just say the opposite. So if you don't like your body, say I love my body. And I was like, that it doesn't translate. It's like I know that doesn't feel true, but. I know that if my niece felt this way, I know how I would comfort her because I know how I'd want to be comforted. Yeah. And that way, even if you can imagine that, that's one small thing that you can do knowing that you you are definitely going to be around this sort of talk. Yeah. The other thing I might recommend is coming up with, oh, this is something I, I talk about with my uh, clients, is a coping skill strategy it is called planning ahead. So there, I actually did this over Mother's Day because it was the first time I was seeing all of my family since the pandemic. And I was like, I'm going to show up late. I'm going to leave early. I am going to have a friend on standby so that if when somebody, and it was like, as soon as they walked in the door, it was like, yep, they said it. And I'm like, <laughs> Texting them. <laughs> okay, let's, here we go. And the more that we can have this strategy of we're not 12 years old anymore and stuck and have to be surrounded by these comments, that we can advocate for ourselves or that we can remove ourselves from the situation. What will happen is the next event, it will suck a little bit less. It'll be like, oh, I made it through that one. It, it was hard. But it was a lot less hard because I wasn't worried about what everybody else is thinking. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I do think like that idea of removing myself from the situation and thinking about how I could do that would be helpful because my family lives far away. So when I go, I'm like, I can't go home. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I am, yeah, you're there. I'm there and I'm stuck there for multiple days. Stuck sounds terrible. I know, I know, but it's the reality. <laughs> I don't know who thought it was a good idea to be like, this is your only time off and you have to spend it with your entire family and it has to be fun. <laughs> um, anyway, that sounded bad, but you get what I, I mean. I so, like, I guess in this context, that makes sense. But the idea of, well, I'm not, I don't have to stay in that room or I don't have, I could go, well, they're in Ohio, so it could be cold, but I could go for a walk if it's not terrible outside and, right. you know, like that. Do you so. get your own room when you're there? Yes. My childhood room. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So you could escape to your bedroom of, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling so tired. I'm going to go lay my head or, oh, I have a fake phone call. I'm going to have to take this. And I think that by having that, by having the out, you don't just have to sit and stay present in it. Um, yeah. And I think that by, by just doing those small things, again, coping skills are not meant to fix they're just intended to help mitigate. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like we just want to make it cope withable. And at, at some point, you might be like, you know what? I love my family, but every time I go, it is it is uh, debilitating distress. 
and maybe in the future you don't end up going or you go and you have you have this plan set up and then the next time you're like I'm going to set a boundary and I'm going to say hey I'm just going to let anybody know if you talk about food body or dieting I'm going to remove myself from the situation but you don't have to that's that's the beauty about planning ahead is cuz you get to choose what feels good and comfortable for you it's hard to think about that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for boundary setting yet, but and yeah. can we honor that, right? Like maybe that is your body letting you know we are not ready for that step yet. I've been, you know, I'm a mental health counselor, I'm a body image coach. I do this. I still don't stand up to my doctors. I just don't have it in me. I just I'm not ready for it yet. And that's okay. We can normalize that. Okay. I ghost my doctors and then I'll be like, I'm just never coming back here again. <laughs> and I recognize that as such a, a privilege. But I, I do think that I think that by giving yourself permission to do what feels good will make this trip a little bit more exciting and a little less distressing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do like I haven't seen them in a long time and I do. Yeah obviously love my family. <laughs> so, like, I want to be able to enjoy my time there without being stressed the whole time. I always say, I say, we love our families and we believe that they are doing the best that they can with the resources that they have available to them. That is not every family, but I would say most of us, we do want to believe that our family is doing the best that they can. And that doesn't mean I have to withstand that. So if the best that they are doing causes me distress, what are my coping skills? Because the other thing that's happening is family dynamics are at play. So when you go home and you're within your family unit, are you the peacekeeper? Are you the person who's trying to make everybody happy? Are you the, the person who is a jokester and you're trying to make everybody laugh? Are you the helper? Are you trying to tend to all of the issues? And so we have to figure out what permission slips we need going into the weekend of if grandma's going to complain about the meatloaf, we don't have to rescue grandma from that. If dad is going to freak out because, you know, the Christmas present opening isn't going the way he wants to, we don't have to tend to that. We get to tend just to ourselves and figure out what we need. And then maybe the little people who who don't yet have the ability to advocate. Um, and that's so hard because when we go to our nucleus family, those same roles that we played as a child begin to play out again. I think that when you started, you, you mentioned that thinking about going home was very distressful. Um, if you had to scale it now with just the few strategies we've put in place, one to 10, 10 being the most distressful, where would you put it? Now, I would probably put it still at like a six or seven, but no, that's better. <laughs> what do you think made the shift for you? I think part of it is how you framed it for me, thinking about it like I'm talking to my niece or advocating for my niece. That just, as a teacher, that really connects with me. Right. And so that has really helped and then also just the coping mechanism of like giving myself space if I need space to walk away for some reason that's just really a comforting thought to me <laughs> that I can 
leave the room. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that makes me feel less stuck, you know? Yeah. And going into the weekend at a five or a six, I would say is probably normal because there there's things that we can't anticipate for. Yeah. That's why that's why that catastrophizing that what's the worst thing gonna happen is happening. And so I even even going leading up into the weekend, I might talk to myself like I would a kid who's catastrophizing of listen, mm-hmm. it yeah, you're right. We don't know what's gonna happen and it's gonna be okay. And here's why. Here are the resources we have. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna make it even if it sucks. And that that is yeah. honoring the grief and the distress without being like, it's gonna be fine. You'll be you'll be okay. Who does that help? That helps no one. Yeah. With one other example. So you work with kids, right? I, I did in-home therapy for many years, uh, working with children. And I remember there was this one particular kid who I knew, I knew he didn't feel this way, but he kept saying, I can't sleep at night because there's there's a monster under my bed. And the parent was just like, monsters aren't real. Like, it, stop it. Like, go to sleep. And I said, there's monsters under your bed. I said, well, lucky for you, I have super special monster spray that it's like bug spray. It'll it'll protect you. Like they can't come out if I spray it. So I went in his room. I took like a water bottle. I sprayed it. I was like, it's gone. And 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 I'll give this to you. And every day, if you spray this, the monsters can't come out. And it it seems silly, right? It seems like such a uh uh you know approach that's like ah, that can't work. But telling children that monsters aren't real doesn't make it better. Telling us. Your body, it's fine. You're gonna you're gonna be okay. Doesn't make it better. Mm-hmm. Making believe that it's like, hey, but you know what? We have this magical thing called walking away. It's not gonna make the distress any more uncomfortable, but it might make it more bearable. Do you have any final thoughts, anything that you want to leave us with? I'm so grateful we've had this conversation, especially pre-holidays, so that you <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) I just feel calmer, I guess. So that is good. Yeah. So I I feel like I'll definitely use these ideas. um, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So that's our episode. And we are so grateful for the amazing volunteer today who was just so willing to be open and to explore this topic herself so that you might be able to benefit from this as well. Um, With the shift that is coming in the podcast in 2023, I am going to put a link in the bio of this episode in the show notes um, that if you have listened to this, if you are interested in being hot seat coached by yours truly on a specific body image topic, we are going to be looking for volunteers. Now, if you go and you look and the the forum is no longer there, it means we have maxed out. We have no more room for volunteers for this year. Um, but we're going to be looking for some very specific topics to hot seat coach people on. So we encourage you in the application to just 
be as detailed as you can. Um, yeah, this, this, I love this opportunity that I get to offer my community for free. So if you, or if someone, you know, could potentially benefit from a quick 30 minute deep dive with me and is willing to come on my podcast, uh, to be able to share this message with the world, feel free to check out the, the show notes. So with that, I bid you adieu and until next time, take care friends.